Hello, I'm Nathan and welcome to the Going Long Podcast. To kick off this week, a little quiz question for you. There were six NFL teams that failed to win a game in November. Can you name them? So, the six teams. The Browns, yeah, yeah, we all know that one. The 49ers, Chicago Bears, Jacksonville Jaguars, New York Jets and Cincinnati Bengals. So, they're the six teams that failed to win in November. Did you also know there are six teams in the NFL that don't have cheerleaders? And guess what? Exactly. There's no connection whatsoever because dancing about with a Joker-esque smile makes no difference to your team's sporting prowess. On the flip side, who were the three teams that won every game in November? It might surprise you to find out that one of those was the Miami Dolphins. The other two, less surprisingly, the Cowboys and the Giants. Which actually sounds like a TV show that I probably wouldn't watch but would definitely tweet about. Are we talking about tweeting? Not really, but why miss an excuse for a lazy segue? So what got everyone tweeting in the NFL this week? One thing people should have been tweeting about was the lame-ass clips of players saying what they were thankful for. The big shock was that it wasn't lots of praise be to Jeebus, or that no one just went, I'm thankful as shit for my millions of dollars for my health care and for not having to work for four months of the year, or that London-born Jay Ajayi wasn't thankful for being born in London. Right, games. Let's look at some action. Some new trends, sort of, and we'll see what the playoff picture looks like. If it's anything like the pictures I do, it will mainly look like a landscape of hell as painted by an angry drunk who's eaten most of the crayons. So, three games on Thanksgiving, and just like most major holiday events, it got worse as it went along and was pretty much an endurance test as the day wore on. We started with Minnesota Vikings 13, Detroit Lions 16. What did I say? We've talked about the poor kicking this year, but the value of a good kicker was again proven here with Matt Prater for the Lions, who not only want to beat the Vikings, but want to pull their hair and spit in the face whilst doing so. Why do you have to be so cruel, Detroit? Why? It was also sort of mainly, yes, the Vikings' fault for daring to be aggressive. After playing safe for most of the game, they decide that losing an overtime would hurt too much and instead play all or nothing and trust Bradford to fire them to glory as he throws it straight to Darius Slay to set up a game-winning field goal from Prater. The Lions now top the division and after losing five of the last six games, the Vikings get the chance to bounce back against the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? If that game whet the appetite as a satisfying starter, then Washington against Cowboys in Dallas was that reassuringly good main course you can rely on. Washington 26, Dallas 31. For anyone that hasn't seen them play this season, the Cowboys thoughtfully summed up everything about their play in the opening drive. A slick handoff from Dak Prescott to his fellow rookie Ezekiel Elliott, who put in a hard run. Then, just to show off, Prescott threw it to a speedy Zeke who flashed his cutting skills. Next, Prescott showed his legs, escaping the pocket to fire to Beasley, and they finished it all off by showing the strength of the O-line to push Elliott in for a touchdown. We might not have seen it, but during the play, Des Bryant probably whispered, Yeah ma'am, into Josh Norman's ear too. I don't care what anyone says about their slightly childish sniping each other. It was great fun. Maybe not so much if you're a Washington fan or Josh Norman's mum, but great fun for the rest of us. 
This was a rare occasion when Dallas surrendered possession of the ball and Washington won in terms of being in possession for longer. But if you don't take advantage of the ball when you have it, you got to make hay whilst the sun shines. And the sun was shining. It was pretty much blinding down one end as the setting sun pierced through the windows at the AT&T Stadium like someone had built it on grand designs but had gone over budget by the end and couldn't even spring for some cheap ass blinds. Justin Long was actually looking into the sun as he missed his second field goal for Washington. Two missed field goals and they lose by five points. Pretty sure Justin Long was cheered up getting texts from Blair Walsh saying, I'm here for you, bro. I'm here for you. People have been saying the Cowboys are average, that they haven't beaten anyone good. These people are stupid and these people shouldn't be trusted. There was quality all over the field with Brandon Carr standing out for me, along with Jordan Reed, seemingly defying biology to return from what looked like a bad injury to add some more clips to his highlight reel as Washington kept fighting back. Player of the game and one I'll probably mention later, how does Terence Williams get his feet in the end zone for a touchdown? A great throw from Prescott right into the corner where Williams defies gravity and physics and nature to not only catch the ball but also touch his toes just down in play. The Cowboys make it 10 straight wins whilst Washington slip to 6-4. and four. And finally on Thursday night, Pittsburgh Steelers 28, Indianapolis Colts 7. A few people fancied the Colts in this game but I can only presume that was before they heard that Andrew Luck was out. Alas, that meant that this Thanksgiving dessert was a bit like ordering the Swiss roll with the extra ice cream and chocolate sauce, but in fact, just getting a Swiss roll. Not even in the bowl. Just a little bit left over in the packet. Scott Tolzien was the who the hell is he replacement for Andrew Luck, and when he got twatted on the first play, you felt a little bit bad. But also quite excited. A bit like seeing a kid get yelled at by a teacher, and you know it's bad, but also, hey, it's not you, and it's sure as hell more interesting than hearing them drone on about how important Pythagoras' theory is. Tolzien actually wasn't shockingly bad, even if they did get kicker Pat McAfee to throw it for one play. Big Ben was ruthless, and the Steelers' long game won all night, and they were soon two scores ahead. I said he was going to rely on Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell a lot, but that's not a problem when all three are on this form and no one wants to stop them. Interesting in the commentary that Mike Tomlin of the Steelers was talking about how often they practice going for two points and that it's helping their defence and you saw that as they kept the Colts out at the end of the half and then did it again at the start of the fourth quarter. Bad day got worse for the Colts with injuries to Mathis, T.Y. Hilton, Vontae Davis. Oh man. So that was Thursday. In the opening game, you could maybe have been surprised by the Lions doing the double over the Vikings, but otherwise, wins for Dallas and Pittsburgh were more or less to be expected. And that was pretty much the case for all of the early games on Sunday too. And you know why I can say it was all quite predictable? Because I predicted them all! That's right, my little twonks. I had a clean sweep of all the games up to Sunday night. I even called the only one that surprised a few people, Seattle losing 14-5 in Tampa. And actually, Seattle became only the 14th team in NFL history to score five points. And as Tampa had already scored their 14 points, the Bills remained the only team to score five and win. This was the Bucks' third straight win, and hopefully this shows why I was full of praise for them a few weeks ago. They have gone from being bottom of the NFL for their turnover margin to now being the best over the last seven weeks. When Jameis Winston and receiver Mike Evans are hot, they are hot, and they scorched Seattle here. To be fair, though... The Seahawks played with all the dynamism of your overweight uncle yelling, throw me the ball, as he falls over, just managing to keep his beer can from spilling. In the first half, Russell Wilson's passer rating was 6.2, and the Seahawks didn't make a third down until just before the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter. It's one of the longest trips in the NFL for Seattle, and one most likely to have an effect on players, so in that respect, it's no surprise that Seattle struggled 
or that any of them seemed overly troubled at the end and were just keen to shrug it off and move on. Like a lot of people, Tampa's Alteron Verna had his family over for Thanksgiving. On Friday, he released a statement saying following a heart attack, his father had died. On Sunday, he played, and his teammates said they played for him and for what he was going through. Late in the first half, Werner, from his position as outside cornerback, intercepted a throw from Russell Wilson. His teammates just spontaneously ran onto the pitch to surround him. He, he couldn't contain the emotion and let the tears out on the sidelines. No one likes to lose, but sometimes it just doesn't seem that important. Kansas City Chiefs playing in Denver was a tough one to call. So tough that last week, Stewart called it a tie. I don't know if anyone has successfully called a tie before, but this was as close as you can get to calling a tie and almost being right. The Chiefs won it 30-27 with a field goal as the clock ran out at the end of overtime. Not only that, but a field goal that bounced in off the post as the clock ran out at the end of overtime. If you didn't watch this game and are thinking, man, that sounds dramatic and exciting, then you would mostly be wrong. Sure, most of overtime and the end was fun, but before that was a bit of a slog. If you listened last week, I tipped Denver to edge it as I thought Von Miller would be a game changer ahead of a not-quite-fit Justin Houston. If he still isn't fully fit, then stay out of his way when he is. The AFC West is the place to be if you want to see elite pass rushers. It's also the place for some exhilarating play and you sort of feel that Gary Kubiak got a bit carried away with it. With a game tied at 27-27 and the clock running out, thought, hey, they all go nuts with Del Rio making ballsy calls for the Raiders. Screw punting it away, let's win it with a field goal. Alas, the over 60-yard attempt was missed and allowed the Chiefs to nick it with a much shorter attempt of their own. The Super Bowl champions have some work to do if they want to make the playoffs. The Raiders beating the Panthers wasn't maybe a surprise. Carolina Panthers 32, Oakland Raiders 35. But the first roughing the passer call in Cam Newton's favour this season was a nice surprise. Newton seems to have more flashy style off the pitch this season, but you could take your hat off to him for the 88-yard pass to Ted Ginn Jr. for a touchdown. The Raiders aren't totally reliant on Khalil Mack in defence, but he does keep getting better and better and better and gooder and betterer. I mean, look at that leap he made to snatch Cam's throw and run it back for a touchdown. Isn't that amazing? Well, yeah, maybe to you, but not when you consider that in high school he was a basketball star and only a torn patella tendon stopped him getting a scholarship. Okay, Nathan, you can use Google during games. Can we get back to the summary? Fine. For all of you sport hipsters fanboying over the Raiders, you might want to calm it until they stop giving up so many yards and points. Derek Kahn might have been worried about the defence. Apparently, he was the first to point his finger, but it was pointing in the wrong direction, so they thought he was blaming the mascot. <laughs> Just some light finger dislocation humour there. To get his finger fixed, Carl left the field, but where was his tent? You need to complain, Derek, as camera shy Aaron Rodgers had a tent on the sidelines that he ducked into to receive treatment during the Packers' redemptive win in Philadelphia. Yeah... The Packers won for the first time in five games. Green Bay 27, Philadelphia 13. To be fair, Rogers probably needed that tent for a lie down because he ran a lot. He was the Forrest Gump of quarterbacks in week 12 as every time he looked up there he was running for a first down. Okay, fine, not every time, but three times he rushed for first downs in the first half. That's a lot. 
The Eagles have struggled recently with getting to quarterback, so this ended up being a nice one for the Packers to fool everyone into thinking they're good again. What? Okay, one play to illustrate. For the second touchdown, Rodgers threw almost 30 yards to Devontae Adams to score his second touchdown of the night. It got heralded a little bit as a great play, but it's exactly the type of play that hasn't been coming off for them. There wasn't great separation from Adams and Eagles cornerback Nolan Carroll, who really should have done better, because it wasn't actually the greatest of throws. A week ago, that is tipped, picked, dropped, and the questions are all being asked. This week, hey, the pack is back! Right, okay, what about the rest of the games? I told you, as you would have expected. The Patriots lured you into thinking they might lose to the Jets. The Jets! But then they shocked them, winning 22-17 as Brady became the fifth player in NFL history to hit 60,000 passing yards. He got so bored of passing that he even let Chris Hogan throw one. There. What? You want all of the games? Okay. No way. The Rams' lame secondary couldn't hold out the Saints who scored 49 points in their dome. Even having time to tit about and let Willie Sneed take the ball from Breeze and then throw a touchdown pass to Hightower. They got so cocky they generously allowed Boy Scout Goff to dip his wick with a couple of touchdowns as the Rams got confused by scoring 21. Fair play to the Titans and the Bears for making their game more interesting than it had any right to be. Titans 27, Bears 21, and for all the talk of the talented Titans, the Bears should have completed a comeback win from 20 points down in the fourth quarter with their fourth-string quarterback. That fourth-string quarterback, Matt Barkley, hit Josh Bellamy on the numbers in the end zone, and Bellamy dropped it. No doubt that gnarled Barkley. The Cardinals continue to suck for a variety of confusing reasons that must be annoying the crap out of Bruce Arians, and it's a sad sign that them losing 38-19 to the Falcons gets greeted with just a few. Yeah, no, kind of figures. Mm, thought so. But like adding chocolate to your guacamole, there's something decadent but also really suspicious about the Falcons. Someone soon is going to lose by mistake to the Cleveland Browns. But that soon wasn't Sunday and that someone wasn't the Giants, who I suppose, after winning their sixth game on the spin, I should start acknowledging as being not useless. That one finished, the Giants 27, Browns 13. Down in Houston, the Chargers won 21-13. Joey Bosa doesn't need to blow his own trumpet as others are doing it for him. Chargers GM Tom Telesco... Tom Telesco, clearly a man with vision, was quick to point out what an impact Bosa has had. He's ranked fourth in defensive rookies with four and a half sacks and 13 quarterback hits despite missing the first quarter of the season. It must have been painful for Texan fans to see a 99 in their stadium be so dominant. The Jaguars of Jacksonville 21, the Bills of Buffalo 28. The Jags did well enough to allow coach Gus Bradley to highlight what they're doing well and start his defence case to the owner. Whilst the Bills continue to be an impressive second-half team and do enough to keep dividing their fans on whether they look like a playoff team, whether Tyrod Taylor is a franchise quarterback, and whether a fit Sammy Watkins transforms this team. Just 4,426 miles from home, London-born Jay and his Dolphins won for the sixth straight game. San Francisco 49ers 24, Miami Dolphins 31. Despite Kaepernick stirring a late rally for the 49ers and becoming that franchise's first QB to throw three touchdowns and rush for 80 yards in the same game, 
It was London-born Jay Ajayi who was smiling at the end of the game. Ryan Tannehill continued his slightly disturbing metamorphosis into an exciting quarterback as throwing three touchdowns he also had no interceptions and rushed the 34 yards. Again contributing a touchdown was London-born Jay Ajayi. Next up for the Dolphins is a trip to Baltimore and a reunion with old player Mike Wallace. And let's round up with Baltimore winning 19-14 against the Bengals. This division matchup confirmed the Bengals won't finish with a winning record this season. It also confirmed that Steve Smith Sr. and Vince Perfect are two of the biggest douches in the league. But all of that is quite dull. What was interesting was the Ravens ended this game by running out the clock as they committed holding penalties all over the field and gave up a safety, denying any chance for the Bengals to get a touchdown. All within the laws of the game, and something that the Ravens did back in their Super Bowl win too. We also saw something similar from Chip Kelly, whose defence used the same tactic against the Saints. We know how NFL teams copy each other. Might this be something we see more teams take on board? It's entertaining if it's your team, frustrating as hell if it is not. Other trends that seem to be catching on, tiny little trick plays. We saw a hook and lateral from the Jets with their rookie quarterback Bryce Petty last week. We also saw Doug Baldwin throw into Russell Wilson for a touchdown. We saw the Patriots using it with Chris Hogan throwing it. We saw Willie Sneed throwing a touchdown for the Saints. And Dak Prescott has apparently told Cowboys coaches that he still has lots of plays he can show them from his college days. I predict we'll continue to see some of these plays happen until someone throws an interception and it goes horribly wrong, then they all stop it forever. Do any of these good and bad plays make it into this week's stand-up sit-down, where people get to stand up and take the acclaim for brilliant play, or get told to sit down and think about what they've done? Number five, stand-up Jeremy Curley, an astonishing catch in a late drive for the 49ers. Right by the touchline, he managed to pull the ball in and somehow touch his toes in play. It was so good and happened so fast that it took several replays to actually see what he'd done. A bit like watching Basic Instinct. Number four, sit-down Bears receivers who dropped two, no, three, no, Four huge catches. What are you doing? Ball, catch, hold, done. That's it. Simple. Back to training. Number three. Stand up Shady McCoy for the Bills when they needed him most and boy did they need him. His team only had 25 yards rushing until he took the ball and exploded with some jump cuts through the Jags for a 75-yard touchdown. Number two. Sit down Derek Anderson. Backup quarterback for the Panthers for his top-level hissy-fit tantrum to an official on the sideline that gave up a penalty. Sit down and shut up. Shut... No, sit. Sit. Yes, behave. Number one this week, stand-up Terence Williams. Yep, I know, already mentioned it, but it's so good it's worth mentioning again. During a week when Odell Beckham Jr. was making sure everyone was remembering the anniversary of one of his catches... Williams was staking a claim to be remembered himself for a big catch in a winning game that could prove critical. Before having a look at Week 13 games, maybe you're thinking you need another 
NFL podcast in your life. Groovy people of the internet, my name is Kayla Hamill. And my name is Justin Ramos. And we are the hosts of the Fall Start Podcast, a bi-weekly football podcast. That means two times a week, not every other week. Our first episode comes out on Tuesdays. That is when we recap all the weekend's games. Our second episode comes out on Fridays, and we predict the future of the NFL, all the Sunday and Monday night action, and break it down for you. If you're interested in finding out all the coaching news, player news, and some predictions. Some are good, some are bad. Then come on over to our show. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can also find us on FallStartPodcast.com or at Twitter at FallStartPod. As always, there are only two seasons in this world, football season and not football season. Right, shall we look at week 13? Uh, I think we should. I almost had a perfect week last week as I was 14 out of 14 until the Broncos blew it against the Chiefs, you gits. So it ended up being 14 out of 16 as the Packers sorted themselves out enough to beat the Eagles. So before I dive back to the murky shallows of mediocrity with my week 13 picks, let's look at the playoff picture. In the AFC, in seed order, Patriots, Raiders, Ravens, Texans, followed by the Chiefs and the Dolphins. So at this stage, no Broncos, no Steelers, no Bengals, although the Broncos lead the hunt for the playoff place along with the Bills and the Titans. In the NFC, again in seed order, Cowboys, Seahawks, Lions, Falcons and wildcard spots too, Giants and Washington. Again, that would mean no Packers, no Cardinals, no Panthers or the Vikings who started 5-0. and zero. The Vikings, though, still are in the hunt along with the Packers. And also in the hunt are the Bucks, the Saints and the Eagles. Right, I'm pretty confident with my picks for week 13 because adding them all together on an accumulator, not that I bet, not that I would, but I just checked for your benefit, it's over 3,000 to 1 for these all to come in. So clearly going to happen. First up, Thursday Night Football, Dallas go to Minnesota. If the Cowboys win, they will secure a playoff place if also Tampa or Washington fail to win. Mike Zimmer might miss this game having had eye surgery. Make your own Blair Walsh jokes. I'm going for, not surprisingly, Cowboys to win. Next up, Detroit go to New Orleans. This comes down to a simple question of whether Lions contain this hot and sultry Saints offence down at the Dome and keep in touch for their fourth quarter comeback routine. The answer is no. Not this time. The Lions lose, leaving room for the Packers. Next up, the Rams go to New England. Bill Belichick and Pat's coordinator, Patricia, were heaping praise on Jared Goff. Tellingly, they didn't mention anyone else. This could be another tight one. Pretty much all of the Patriots passing weapons sitting out training at some point this week, with injuries to Brady's knee and Gronkowski's hamstring probably the most worrying, although both likely to play. This this is actually going to be my surprise pick of the week. I take the Rams to win here. They need three wins in their last five to make it to 7-9, which obviously they have to do. And I see them beating the 49ers and Cardinals, but losing to Falcons and Seahawks. So that leaves this one. Logic. 
Denver Broncos go to Jacksonville, and when you need a pick-me-up, a visit to Jacksonville is just what the doctor ordered. The positives for Jags' performance in Buffalo last week were undone by the fact they seem utterly miserable about losing again. And the Broncos just can't lose here. No, they can't. Seriously, come on, they can't lose in Jacksonville. Houston Texans against Green Bay Packers. The Texans are determined to make the AFC entertaining, if not actually any good. Their defeat here will tie that division up with three teams on 6-6. Six and six. It will, watch it. And the win for the Packers will also tie up the NFC North as they close in on the Lions, who they play in the last game of the regular season. Kansas City Chiefs go to Atlanta. Can the Chiefs win back-to-back road games? Yes. Will they be too tired from a long game in Denver? Yes. Can the Falcons become consistent? Maybe. None of that really makes much sense. No. Right, I'm going for Julio Jones to leave Marcus Peters frustrated and the Falcons to notch up a surprisingly comfortable win. Nope, I don't know either. It makes no sense, but that's what's going to happen. Miami Dolphins take their winning streak to Baltimore and I think this is going to be a tight game. But I'm going for London-born Jay Ajayi to make up for a disappointing week last week and do the business here. I also think Flacco will hit the deck a lot. Philadelphia Eagles against Cincinnati Bengals. The Eagles seem to bounce back from defeats quite well, and in Cincinnati they'll find a Bengals team with nothing really to play for, and they're struggling on offence. They face this game on the back of three straight defeats. Philly win. 49ers against the Bears. The 49ers continue their improvement and get a morale-boosting win in Chicago as they start well and get themselves ahead early. The Bears have another injury. Danny Trevathan out for the season with a ruptured patella tendon, which is painful. It sounds painful. It is painful. Anytime you hear ruptured, not good. Buffalo Bills go to Oakland to take on the Raiders, and although this might be seen as a shock, there are legitimate reasons to see a Buffalo win here, and not just personal bias. Oakland have struggled against the run this season, a strength of Buffalo's. Tyra Taylor does not give the ball away that often. The Bills are strong in the second half of games, and Derek Carr says his dislocated finger is great, but you can be sure Rex Ryan will get his defence with sack leader Lorenzo Alexander and a rejuvenated Zach Brown right after him. Also, Oakland has a huge game against Kansas on Thursday and I don't care what coaches and players say about focusing on the game in front of you, it will definitely be on their minds. Bills to win this in a tight and feisty game. Tampa Bay Buccaneers go to San Diego to take on the Chargers and this, this should be a fun game to watch. Jameis Winston has had a good run recently, as has Mike Evans, but I'm going to go for Joey Bosa to get at Winston and the Chargers offence to provide an early lead to hold on to. Tampa haven't won in San Diego for 20 years and I don't see that changing, but I expect plenty of drama from two teams fielding a lot of youngsters. With the Giants going to Pittsburgh, we might get the interesting sight of Beckham Jr. on punt returns all game after he played there in the second half in Cleveland last week. This has all the makings of a classic, I reckon, and could be high scoring. The form book and stats say Giants, but I think this could be one of those games where there is just no stopping the holy trinity of Roethlisberger, Brown and Bell. Washington head to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. The Cardinals coming off another defeat. Washington coming off their loss in Dallas, in which they played really well. Washington to win this by 10 plus points. Carolina Panthers take on Seahawks in Seattle. Richard Sherman, he likes a good squabble, doesn't he? Doesn't he? He does. And this time, he's harping on about when Cam Newton took down a 12th man flag in the playoff game in Charlotte last season. What will Cam do this year? The only thing that would trump that would be to burn the flag. 
After playing in Oakland last week, the Panthers made the sensible decision to stay out west for this game, which will help them. But Luke Keekley is still in concussion protocol and is joined by safety Kurt Coleman. The game in Seattle last season between these two was also a cracker with a huge game from Jonathan Stewart and Greg Olson, who scored a last minute touchdown in a 27-23 win for the Panthers, who went 5-0. and The Panthers look like a different team this year, though, and if you swap that score around, you might not be far off. Seahawks to win it. And finally, Monday night game, Indianapolis Colts go to New York to take on the Jets. Andrew Luck is on track to be back to play. If so, I take the Colts to win and to keep the AFC South interesting. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can get in touch via Twitter at Going Long UK. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Going Long Podcast. All the details are on the website at goinglongpodcast.com, where you can also find how to subscribe via iTunes or Pocket Casts or Stitcher or TuneIn or SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcast. And once you've done that, why not tell someone else about the show and get them to listen to Sharing is Caring. I've been Nathan. See you next week.